Welcome to Prepare, the Mercy Perinatal podcast dedicated to helping parents prepare for the journey of pregnancy, childbirth, and early parenthood. Mercy Perinatal would like to begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people, traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, and also the traditional custodians of the lands on which you're listening from today. And we'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening today. Hey, Rangi. Hi, Ali. How We're are back. you? Yeah, good. We're back. We are going to be talking today about a topic that is really important, models of care. Yes. So, so many women don't actually realise there are choices when you are pregnant yeah. and going through either the public or the private system, that there are different pathways that you can have your maternity care. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to cover today. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's a really important topic and some of the models of care might seem a bit vague and difficult to tell what the pros and cons are. Mm. So hopefully we'll be able to give you a summary Yeah, and that'll help you make a decision for yourself. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of information out there, especially on social media. And models of care, it's something that's actually a really personal choice. Like you can't do something that you've seen somebody else do or your best friend's done Mm. and then think that that is like the gold standard. Exactly. There are so many options and it has to be suited to what you want. And as we go through the different models of care and mention the pros and cons, there'll be certain things that fit really well with your idea of what you want for your pregnancy, labour and birth, but Mm. it might not fit with somebody else so it's got to be a personal decision and something that you get all the information and then you kind of decide yourself that's right but I think what is missing is that we know so much about pregnancy or you have ideas about pregnancy but nobody ever covers models of care yeah in that early stage and then you come to your first appointment and somebody says what model of care do you want to go you're like I didn't didn't even know know there there was was an option like okay what are models of care (laughs) and some of them as we'll mention with like midwifery group practice that can be quite hard to get into so you've got to think about it early early. exactly like you've got to kind of plan this idea so I think this is a gap that's missing in education Mm. that's got to be kind of like pre-education yeah, it's sort of almost part of pre-pregnancy counselling. Exactly. It seems a bit weird to think about it before you get that positive pregnancy test, but sometimes you it's a good idea too. Yeah, and with private, you add it to your private health insurance. Exactly. You need it for a certain amount of time before you actually fall pregnant for them to cover you. So That's right. So why are we not talking about this preconception? <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go. Awesome. So in terms of the public system, Ellie, Mm. what are the main choices and models of care that are available? Yeah. So in the public system, which is what I will talk about the most because I work obviously in the public system, so I'm familiar with that. Mm -hmm. And just a little disclaimer that this is Victorian public hospital system because I obviously don't know much about interstates, but I'm sure that most of them have something relatively similar. Yes. There's kind of like two pathways that you do in public system, which is either obstetric-led care. Mm -hmm which there's standard obstetric care, or there's midwifery models of care, which there's a couple of different branches to that. Mm. But I guess if we start with obstetric-led care, which is where, Rangi, you'll really be able to step in, but basically that is where women are deemed to be a little bit higher risk in their pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So the best place for them to have their pregnancy care managed is through the doctors. Yes. And the main reason for that is there'll be extra things that need to be monitored and that's kind of outside a scope of practice of a midwife. So it's really important that they see doctors who are specialists in this area. Midwives obviously know a lot about this stuff, but it's important that it's managed through obstetricians. So Rangi, how about you tell us about 
what kind of risk factors women have when they come to obstetric care, what kind of women you see and how that works? Yeah, definitely. So as you said, obstetric-led care is mainly through the doctors. And in a public hospital, that might be a combination of obstetric consultants, registrars who are trainees in obstetrics, or um, more junior doctors who then are supervised by other senior doctors as well. But And we try and give you continuity of care, but it is a bit harder in the public system to make sure you see the same doctors every time. Obviously, we prefer that as well, so we try our best to do it, but it's not always possible, particularly because there are different doctors that rotate through, different units and teams. So that is one of the, I suppose, downsides to being in a public hospital under obstetric care is you might not see the exact same person every single time. But you will usually see a combination of the same people, so people in the team. But some of the reasons why you might be recommended to have obstetric-led care is because, as you mentioned, there might be some risk factors or extra things that we need to monitor in the pregnancy. Now, we talked about in our antenatal care episode that antenatal care is important mainly for prevention and detection of certain things. So some of those things that we need extra care for might be things like if there's an increased risk of diabetes, if there might be any abnormalities with your baby that we detect early on, if there's a high risk of preeclampsia or high blood pressure issues or other medical problems in the mum. Common things might be like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or past history of significant things, difficult things like cancer. Obviously rare, but things that are still important for the doctors to keep in mind so that we make sure we keep track of it all in your pregnancy. If you're a little bit older, sometimes that can increase your risk of things happening in pregnancy. So you might see the doctors a bit more. Or if you're a high BMI or even a lower BMI, sometimes it can increase your risk of certain things in pregnancy. So there's lots of things that come under this list, but that's a bit of a rough guide of what might make us recommend you see the doctors in a public hospital. And just because you're under the obstetric care doesn't mean that you wouldn't see a midwife at all. I think it's important to note that you'd still see a midwife once or twice in your pregnancy journey. But it is also important to know, I'm sure you'll mention this as well, Ali, that that midwife that you see antenatally is not necessarily going to be the midwife that is there with you during your labour and birth, but is still important in that antenatal care. Yes. And I think that when women are in the obstetric model of care, that main purpose of the midwife visits is midwifery education and those type of things rather than obviously they will still monitor your pregnancy but they have those appointments to talk about things that will help you in preparing for labor birth beyond Mm -hmm. from a midwifery perspective so you'll still see a midwife but not as much yeah that's right exactly and you might even see us a bit more frequently. Yes, depending that's on actually a very good point. That you probably, yeah. And the doctor will obviously recommend how often to come back and things like that. Yeah, yep, exactly. So I guess the next one is standard midwifery practice, which I can speak a lot about because this is what I worked in in antenatal um, clinic. Yeah. So with this model of care, it's for those women that are deemed more low risk. So there's no major complications in your pregnancy or past medical history that it is very safe and advised that you would see a midwife throughout your care. The main, I guess, downfall of this standard midwifery care, even though it's amazing, you are lacking continuity. Again, with the same with obstetric leg care, we try and see the same women, Mm. but you won't necessarily see the same midwife 
for every appointment and it won't be the midwife that you see for labour and birth. But we do try and see you if we have our list in the morning. Sometimes we might swap it around to say, oh, I saw that woman last time so Mm. we'll be handy to see them again. But that's obviously not guaranteed. I think the time of those appointments in that model of care can sometimes be a, a bit of a con for that because we are limited to less time compared to say like an MGP model of care where Mm. they get more time. So Mm -hmm. just to give an example of our plan in those appointments is that your first booking appointment, we usually get around about 45, 50 minutes Mm. to do everything. Mm -hmm. And then subsequent appointments after then are around 20 minutes. So we're trying to pack so much in (laughs) because it is, I guess, the most standard model of care for low risk women. Yes. Still really good. But if you are somebody that wants heaps of information and wanting to have like a priority to you is continuity of care, Mm. then maybe think about potential other models of care. Yeah. I think that's a good point, Ali. And similar to obstetric-led care in the hospital is that unfortunately the wait time for the appointments can yeah. be really long in yep. the public hospital. Mm-hmm. So they'll say their appointments at 11am, they get here at quarter to 11, but they actually get called in at 12, yep. 12.30, yep. which is of course extremely frustrating and we empathise with that. And I think that is mainly because, as you mentioned, our appointment times are so short, but we, both the obstetric clinicians and the midwifery clinicians, are trying our best to address every concern and make the most out of each of those appointments for the patients. So sometimes we do run over and it doesn't mean that we're not working our hardest, but it does mean that sometimes your appointments may not happen at the exact time or even roughly the time that we expect. And you might feel a bit rushed in your appointment sometimes. So that's a bit of a con, as you mentioned. Although it could be a pro for some people. If it's your like third baby and you just want to get in and out. (laughs) True. And you want to have the time in the waiting room to read a book or scroll on your social media without your (laughs) other kids. Or do some work, yeah. (laughs) This might be the model of care for you. That's true. That's a good point, yeah. (laughs) So I guess the next one that we could dive into is GP shared care. Yeah. So that's a model of care that uses your GP, which is great because sometimes you can have a really good relationship with your GP, but then you also have hospital visits as well. So you'll still see a midwife for that midwifery education, but a majority of your obstetric care is managed through your GP. Mm. So I think this would be good for you to mention like what the GP does in that role? Yeah. So as we've mentioned before, you know, when you first get pregnant, you do need to go and see your GP early to get a referral, regardless of which model of care you want. So any of these models of care require a referral from your GP. But the advantage of shared care is that this enables that same GP to actually provide you with ongoing care in your pregnancy. The GP has to, however, be qualified to give you shared care. So that means that they usually have had to do what we call a diploma of obstetrics and gynaecology and have a certain number of visits per year and pregnant patients they look after to stay accredited to perform shared care. And you can find out if your GP is accredited for shared care at whatever hospital you're planning to deliver at. Each hospital will have a list and you can do that by either asking your GP or asking the hospital that you are planning to deliver at. But you will usually have that appointment with your GP, similar time to when you would get your referral. You would see someone in the hospital, whether it's a midwife or a doctor, and then we would organise your shared care schedule. And that usually involves most of your visits with the GP, which, as you said, is really convenient. You've often already got a relationship with that GP. They're often closer to you. 
less wait times, but then a few key visits at the hospital with either your midwife or obstetrician. And most of those visits are around about after the 20 week mark. And then as you get on later in pregnancy, 28 weeks, 36 weeks, and then thereafter, we usually see you a bit more frequently as you're leading up to actually having the baby at the hospital. Yeah. So I guess the pros of that relationship that you may already have with your GP, Mm. close to home, hopefully less wait time. Yes. The cons would be that you don't get as familiar with the hospital environment of where you're going to labour and give birth. So that can be a little bit anxiety provoking for some people yeah. because as you're coming in for appointments, you kind of scope out, okay, where I've got to go, where yeah. I park, all of that kind of stuff. Even though you'll come to the hospital, you're not as familiar with it. Yeah. And the other con to mention is you should probably check if your GP bulk bills or how they bill. That's a good point. Yes. Because it can, if they don't bulk bill, it can be quite expensive out of pocket to do yes. that. And that's a good point to mention because if you do have your care in a public hospital and you have Medicare, it's free. Yes. Yes. So keeping that in mind to check what kind of billing your GP does. Great point. So the next one would be midwives in small teams or sometimes it's called team midwifery, which is very similar to the regular midwifery care, except instead of having like a large team of midwives working with a whole bunch of women, it's smaller teams of midwives with a smaller group of women. So Mm. there's more chance that you would have continuity of care because the midwives work in a team and they work across all departments. So antenatal clinic, birth suite and the postnatal ward. And if you are in hospital and they see that you're part of that team, they will actually allocate a midwife from that team to care for you. So it's not guaranteed, but there's a higher chance that when you are in labour and birth and postnatally that you would have a midwife that's part of that team. So hopefully throughout your whole pregnancy antenatal care that you would meet a variety of midwives in that small team and then it helps for you to be a little bit more familiar or like a friendly face that that type of thing. Yeah. So that's really good for continuity of care in a midwifery-led team or midwifery-led care, but it's not guaranteed that you would have the full continuity of care such as something like MGP. Yeah, so let's go on to MGP. It's a really good one to talk about. Yes. So MGP or midwifery group practice is sometimes like called one-to-one midwifery care as well. So what would happen is when you having all of your antenatal visits, you usually see the same midwife throughout all of them or it's two midwives that work in a pair. So if your midwife is on leave or has been called to a birth or things like that, you would get familiar with two midwives. That midwife is actually on call for your labour and birth as well. So you would have that same midwife that you would have a really good relationship with all through antenatal care. When you're in labour, they would come in and they would deliver your baby as well. Mm. And then as part of that, you tend to go home from the hospital earlier, but that same midwife comes and visits you for one to two visits at home. Yeah. So it is an amazing model of care and I guess the gold standard of midwifery care in Mm. terms of continuity, having somebody that's really familiar with your plans and philosophy around what you want for your labour and birth. Preferences. Exactly. So you become really familiar with them. And that can be really comforting for women as well when you come in in labour. Like it's a scary time. Of course, yeah. You've already had time to talk to that midwife about what kind of your plans are. Mm. So you don't have to repeat all of that or it's just, you just, it's nice to have somebody that you know really well. And trust. Exactly. I think trust is the biggest thing. 
So there are so many pros to this, obviously continuity, getting really familiar with them. We know that outcomes for women and babies in MGP are really good. Yeah. In fact, I think there's a lot of evidence for not just MGP, but continuity of care in pregnancy and labour being really good for mums, babies, support people in terms of outcomes. Yes. So that's a pro, but Mm. I guess the con would be with MGP really popular. So if MGP is something that really resonates with you and it's something that you want, I would suggest that as soon as you find out you're pregnant to get an early referral from your GP and specify in that referral that you are wanting to do a midwifery group practice model of care because then they can get you into that system earlier because it tends to be first in, first served kind of way. Definitely. If you've had it before in a previous pregnancy, they do tend to try and prioritise you. But if it's your first time, then yes, getting in early is really important. Again, it's actually free as well because it's yes. if you have Medicare, if you're coming through the public system. So you get guaranteed continuity of care, somebody that you connect really well with, but you don't have to pay an awful amount to have good outcomes. But in saying that, discharge tends to be a little bit sooner after birth so Mm. it's usually within 24 hours so once might not suit everyone might not suit everybody Mm. because if you want to stay in hospital that you get that sense of security in staying in hospital then you don't get that with mgp yeah not to say that you can't stay if there's clearly a medical reason absolutely but that's true we tend to try and get people home as early as we can yeah Now, also, we should mention that in the public system, there are actually other specialist models of care as well, such as for Indigenous women, Mm -hmm. women who are young mums, as well as any women who have had any history of or current use of substances. Mm. So there are specialist programs that you can get into if they cater for you. Yes, exactly. We try and make sure that we are trying to address all the specific needs of our patients as much as possible. Um, So that's a really good point. Yes. And we're actually going to cover a whole episode on Indigenous models of care, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. And that will be coming out at a later day. Yeah, very soon. So I think we should go into private system, which this is where it's going to be really good for you to explain this because I don't have that much personal experience in the private system. Yeah. So did you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the advantages, I suppose, of the private obstetric system, which is where you book in to see a private obstetrician and you basically see them for every appointment and then they are there for your birth as well. It's very similar to the MGP model in that it's the same provider, that continuity of care is definitely the biggest advantage of having a private obstetric model. And of course, you have an obstetrician. So if there are any complications that arise with either the pregnancy or the birth, then they can handle that. Yes, that actually makes me think that in MGP, sometimes you don't know the plan of your pregnancy and how it's going to go. So (laughs) you may start in MGP, but if there's a complication, you may have to go into an obstetric model of care. Yeah. So I think the advantage with private obstetric care is you're always going to essentially be. That's right, exactly. But similar to MGP, it is important to get an early referral if that's what you would like to do for your preferred obstetrician. And there are lots of different private hospitals in in every state and you can see which hospital you'd like to deliver at and which doctor at that particular hospital you would like to see. 
see your GP early, get an earlier referral. And one of the advantages, I suppose, also of private obstetric care is that you might see them quite a bit earlier than you would in, in public obstetric care. You In public obstetric care, you might have your first antenatal visit any time between 13, 14 weeks and perhaps even 20 weeks. Yep. But in private obstetric care, you would usually see that person quite soon after your first ultrasound. So within the first 10 weeks. Yes. So that's a huge advantage for a lot of people, particularly that first trimester can be quite anxiety provoking. <laughs> Symptoms of pregnancy can be quite difficult to manage. And so seeing someone early can be really helpful. You also tend to see that person more frequently in those early stages, particularly if there's any concern, if we need to monitor things. And you also have the um, option of often with these private obstetric providers to see a midwife as well. So you don't miss out on that midwifery education, but you do see the same obstetrician most of the time. Yes. The other thing about those appointments is often, unlike the public system, you have more time. So you might have more time to ask the questions that you want from your obstetrician. You will probably have more availability to ultrasound. Some obstetricians have ultrasound scanners in their rooms and that's sometimes reassuring for some people. It might not be everyone's cup of tea. They don't, might not want to know too much every time. But for some people and a lot of people, I think that is a nice thing. One thing to note about private obstetric care is, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, Ali, it is something that you have to think about early in the piece, even before you're pregnant, because unless you have private health cover for at least 12 months before you fall pregnant and see that person for the first time, you will not be covered for private obstetric care in a private hospital. So you'll have to pay out of pocket. So of course, a huge con of private obstetric care is the price. Yes. So it's a lot more expensive than public care. Obviously, public care is free, <laughs> but you do have to pay a certain amount out of pocket for private obstetricians, and that varies between five, sometimes up to $10,000, depending on who they are, where they deliver, what services they offer. And depending on your health fund, you might get some of that back if you're covered, but if not, you might not get much of that back. So the pros being that with private care is that you obviously have continuity of care throughout your antenatal care mm. and then the obstetrician would come in for your birth. Yes. But one of the main things that I noticed that women can be quite surprised about is labour. Yes. Is that a midwife, sometimes you may have met that midwife before in yeah. those antenatal appointments, but often it will be a midwife that's working in the private hospital. Yes. And you won't have met them before. That's right. So the private obstetrician will be there for the delivery. It's a midwife's role to mm. look after a woman and support a woman during labour. So that's the right. private doctor will pop in and see you, hopefully that they'll be there for the birth. Yeah. But it will be a midwife that looks after you for those hours of labour. That's right. But then a positive is that you actually get an extended stay in hospital. That's A lot true, longer yeah. than in the public system. Yes. So you can stay for anywhere between three to seven days, I yeah. think that it is. Yeah. So that is really good postnatally to ensure that you are comfortable with breastfeeding, all of your midwifery education. Obviously, we can teach you a lot more in three to seven days than, say, the 24, 24 hours. 24 hours <laughs> in the 
public system. Mm. And the benefit to that is that often your milk has come in. Yes. In the postnatal period. So you feel a lot more comfortable breastfeeding and going home with those tools. Mm. Whereas in the public system, you tend to have discharged before then. But I will mention the service in the public system of domiciliary midwives, which I forgot to mention. So you will go home usually within 24 to 48 hours in the public system, but you will have a midwife that comes and visits you at home for one to two visits. Mm. So they will contact you usually within 24 to 48 hours after discharge and organise a time that they come and see you. And they do all the follow-up things such as weighing your baby if if they haven't been able to do education in regards to like bath time and additional breastfeeding support and regular postnatal care, they come to your home to do that. Some people really like that because you're in your own environment and often questions about caring for your baby tend to come once you get home. Yeah. So that's a really good service. And then after one week of being home, you have the maternal child health nurse that comes and visits you at home as well. So everyone gets that. Yes. And so it's there are pros and cons to both. And mm. as I mentioned before, it's got to be something that's like a really personal preference. Yeah, that's right. One thing I should also mention about the private obstetric model is that often private mm. obstetricians, particularly these days, because many of us are female and young and have families of our own, yeah. we practice in group practices. Oh, yes. So similar to the midwifery group practice, we practice in a group with either one or two or, you know, up to five or six other obstetricians, usually not that big, but that means that you will probably see the same person for the entire pregnancy, but there's a chance that the person you see for your birth might be a different obstetrician that no doubt you would have met throughout your pregnancy journey, but that's because we tend to try not to be on call (laughs) 24-7 because it's difficult from an obstetrician's point of view, to be on call 24-7. Similar for the midwifery group practice, midwives, I think they work in teams so that they're not on call 24-7 and it's not, you know, dangerous. So there is a chance that you might not have the birth with your obstetrician, but it'll usually be an obstetrician that works within that group. So you'll have an opportunity to meet them and you will know that beforehand. Conversely, there are still a lot of obstetricians in many states that are solo obstetricians. And that is a huge advantage because you know that you're just going to get them. But sometimes, similar to everyone else, they go on leave. And if that's the case, they'll let you know and they'll let you know who's covering you in case that happens to be when you have your baby. Yes. Great. I think that was a really good wrap up of models of care. And obviously thinking about these things before you come to your first visit. But if you haven't thought about them, that's okay as well. We can guide you in your first appointment. Yeah. But that was really good. Thanks, Rangi. Thanks, Ellie. It was great. If you want to know what services your hospital provides, jump onto their website because often they will list what models of care they have available because all of these services that we've spoken about today may not necessarily be available at every hospital. Mm. But if you jump on their website or at your first appointment, just ask the midwife or the obstetrician what models of care they have available, then that can help guide your decision. Awesome. Thanks, Ali. Thanks. Everyone's pregnancy is unique. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and general purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. 
It is important that you always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health, your pregnancy, or any medical conditions.